Hey there, welcome to ATL on 29, a Peachtree Hoops podcast. Uh, the usual setup here with me, Kevin, and Glenn. That's only two people. Uh, there's some commas in there, but uh, <laughs> we're recording on the night of the Hawks' first preseason game in Abu Dhabi. And uh, there's a lot to talk about, you know, from, from a podcaster point of view. This is like uh, getting to open your Christmas presents and finally getting to see what some of this stuff looks like. So uh, the the list of topics we can cover here after a long and mostly dull off season is, is broad here. This, this, this is, this is some interesting stuff. Where do you want to begin, Glenn? Well, I, I mean, your analogy, if that's what it, what it was, since it's preseason, isn't it more like shaking the present and, imagining what it is but not okay, fully well, sh- sure okay but we're, we're, we're good guessers uh, very, I, I think it's a little more advanced than that a little a little more sophisticated we, we like take an x-ray or something of the, of the present uh, there we go there we go uh i mean for me i i think the biggest thing was just this team had a completely different vibe uh it's one game it's their first game uh they're playing internationally but it was just interesting, even in a preseason game, I was watching a team that was just so steady in, in almost everything that they were doing. Um, and that is a positive. I, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying like, oh, they're, they were great. You know, no, they were just like steady and solid and everything, which is kind of what you expect from a Nate McMillan team. You know, Nate's been, since he's taken over, obviously that run of the Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference Finals, but he's been, I don't know if you if you got in to be totally honest, might say tolerating like mistakes and inconsistency from a, a lot of young players, and this is just a more veteran team that uh, maybe doesn't have kind of the, the, the higher ceiling of skills, the shooting, and some of the things that you know we thought Cam Reddish might be one day. Uh, if Kevin Herter could have gotten you know to a point where his his aggressiveness kind of kind of came along. Um, but it it just it felt like I was watching a team that was just more solid, more steady. And my biggest takeaway is I think I think maybe the biggest difference this team might might have this year, we'll have to actually watch the season, is I just think they're gonna be a more consistent team this year. Um and 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 it this felt like I was watching a Nate McMillan team today because they were just a veteran, solid and, and steady. And that was the kind of the the big kind of broad uh, kind of perspective takeaway I had watching the game today. Okay. Uh, so it was our first peak, I suppose, other than the open scrimmage of, of seeing, no, he didn't even play in the scrimmage. This really was our first, uh, our first look at DeJounte Murray in a Hawks uniform. And, you know, what did you expect? What did you get? Uh, you know, how does it change the prospect for, for what the Hawks uh, can be or do this season? Yeah, I, I, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was, I would say, open-minded in terms of, okay, we know how dominant Trey is, and we know what Trey um, has looked like with the, the kind of secondary players he's had around him. DeJounte, obviously, is on a, a, a different category and, and probably on another level, you might be able to say. Um but basically, the whole first stretch Trey and DeJounte were on, DeJounte was initiating almost everything. And Trey was starting off ball. Um, it, it, Trey's shot diet wasn't the greatest, but, you know, this is their first game, and, and there's probably some feeling out to do there. It really wasn't until Trey came back on 
halfway through the second quarter, roughly, and that was his first time on without DeJounte, that he kind of went back to his the role that we're, we're all familiar watching watching him in. And then he he, he was much more comfortable. And it, But at that point, he kind of got everywhere he wanted to go, got everything he wanted to get, kind of the, the kind of trade stuff. And so it would be interesting to see if that trend continues. Um, I, I don't know how closely you've watched it, but I was reminded of the degree to which last season Zach Levine let DeMar DeRosa kind of just own the whole first quarter. Um, and I was, that's, I was, it's one of the, the things that impressed me the most across the broader NBA season last year was that Levine still put up basically his numbers, um, but he really gave DeRozan a lot of room, a lot of space. And, you know, I can't imagine that that that's going to go that far with Trey, um, but it was interesting to me and it helps with DeJounte. It seemed like he was making all of his mid-range pull-ups. He was getting to the rim. He was, you know, attacking the seams and, what surprised me was that he DeJounte was basically doing everything he did for San Antonio last year, but there was no Trey Young on that roster. So you understood the empowerment he had last year. And, and I thought that went well today, apart from, you know, Trey kind of um, not um, getting the shot diet you normally want to see him have and things like that. But in terms of DeJounte doing his thing, Trey giving him the space to do his thing and all of that going well. And for me, looking exactly like it did with the Spurs last year, I didn't expect it to to kind of be such a um, um, almost complete carryover from what he was doing last year as he and Trey were going to figure things out. But Trey gave him a lot of room, and DeJounte did the same stuff he was doing last year. He did it all really well, in my opinion. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, the Bucks were kind of a good first matchup for DeJounte in the sense that, you know, there's there's some murmur and you know, chatter from the from the Buck side that you know they they want to be a little uh, stickier at the three point line on defense this season and, and not overcommit and not help as much in the paint. And so, you know, when the Hawks were letting Dejounte run, you know, two man actions, it felt like uh, it was it was kind of a combination. You know, for on the one side, there were a lot of times where you know he would get one foot into the paint and he just had a big cushion like. And and to his credit, you know, even though there were big cushions on a lot of situations, he was not rushed and he was making the right decisions. Like if there was a lot of space in front of him when he got there, he didn't force the action and try to keep going to the rim. He's like, OK, I've got space now. I'm going to rise up and shoot. And, uh, you know, the Bucks were, were giving him a lot of space on a lot of plays and, and he was making those mid-range jumpers. And when they didn't, you know, he was going all the way to the rim or, you know, finding what was open. So I thought that he was, uh, you know, he had a really good situation in terms of what he was seeing from the defense in front of him. And then I thought he did a good job with exactly what was there. Um, I just thought he was, you know, really, really patient. I, you know, he didn't feel like he ever needed to force anything. Uh, but, but, you know, to go back to what you said, uh, you know, it wouldn't be all that surprising if if he was sort of a first quarter point guard if they they kind of let him do his thing and and get into his rhythm that way. Uh, that wouldn't be all that surprising. Um, man, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> well, what, so when he was on, how did you think Trey looked off the ball? Um. I mean, I thought he was fine for, for one thing. I, maybe this is what I was going to say. I don't remember. But, you know, at one point I kind of tried to track uh, 
know, just who was bringing the ball up and who was initiating the action, just like over a wide, wide swath of the game. I think it was like the third quarter and it was about 60% DeJounte when, when he and Trey were on both. Um, But I thought Trey did well off the ball. I mean, how would you describe it? They they were pretty consistent in a lot of the initial action. I think you called it a pistol action where he's basically setting up in the corner and coming around, uh, you know, a screen from at least one big at the elbow. And then, you know, he and he and DeJounte are within one pass of each other and they can do something from there. Uh, right. Yeah. And, and the pistol is good, but, but you're bringing him straight into primary action, the pistol, right? He's going corner across the two screens, the second screen being the DHO, and then he's, he's got the ball. So he knows he's coming into being the primary as soon as that they execute that. The other setup, which is basically a similar layout for the offensive yeah. players, is when they run the strong early action. And they'll usually put the, the the three, DeAndre Hunter in the case today, mostly in the corner, and then they'll bring two screens for him. And today it was Trey being that first screener um, on almost every occasion that I, I can recall, which allows you to, if, if, if DeAndre, for example, comes through those two screens, comes up and doesn't get the ball, the Hawks can flip that into pistol action and Trey is in the corner after that. So it's a nice little kind of sequence of things where depending on what the defense does. And so I, I like that. Um, they ran a lot more exit action, um, which the, two years ago they ran a ton of. Uh, that's basically the, the guard without the ball kind of cutting down the lane to the weak side corner and getting a screen to free him to the weak side corner. Trey must have done that eight times today. And so that was designed for Trey to have something to do, something prescriptive and plan to do. I thought when um, kind of the prescriptive part of the play kind of fell apart. I, I thought he he looked a little lost to me still in terms of where to go. There was a few times he looked to set a screen. Uh, There's a few times where he looked to kind of space out. And so I, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not saying that really a critical way. This is the first game. There's a, it, that's a really different role for him. We'll see if, uh, you, know, you know, he becomes a little more purposeful uh, in that. Um, and, and, and I don't want to c- characterize all of his off-ball time that way. It's just when, the prescriptive part of the play kind of ran its course and then the offense had to kind of read and kind of react. He was, he was a little less uh, purposeful there, but we'll, we'll see if that, that comes along uh, as it goes, because we, we all know that in prior seasons, um, that's just not something that he did a lot of and something he didn't have a chance to be proficient at. There's conversation like, does he want to do it? Does he want to commit to it? Um, I think Trey, I see Trey as kind of a guy who wants to win games and will kind of kind of do what's asked of him. Uh, um, and so, but, but we'll see. Uh, he, he, he won't prove it until he does, but that, that was the one thing that I'll say I'm, I'm looking for more of is that purposefulness when he's, when the kind of the design action has ended uh, and there's still uh, something that needs to be done with the offense. And we'll just kind of see if that comes along for him. Yeah, and there were a couple of times that, you know, I, I thought, you know, the Bucks didn't do necessarily the greatest job when they were trying to defend two-man actions in the middle of the floor. But I, I thought, you know, when they were switching sort of off-ball, they were they were pretty good at it. So, uh, you know, the Bucks are such a weird matchup. But, like, on the defense, you know, I was trying to figure out, you know, okay, well, what's the Hawks' defense going to look like this season? And it just, I, you know, watching two games against the Bucks just feels like it's going to be – not necessarily a waste, but, you know, how many times is Clint Capella going to be defending, you know, the team's primary ball handler? Like, 
Right. You know, he's supposed to be organizing the defense and now he needs the defense organized behind him. And it's just, it's just a weird setup. I thought it, you know, both Nate and John Collins mentioned that the, the rebounding left a lot to be desired with Nate, particularly pointing out that he needs the guards to rebound better. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just such a weird situation. That's not going to be the norm for the Hawks. I mean, down the line there, there could be a playoff series or something with the, with the Hawks and the Bucks and that they're going to need to, you know, get things ironed out, but it is a little bit weird to to try to evaluate the defense. I think in this kind of setting, what what did you think about the Hawks defense? I mean, I, I thought it was kind of what you normally see in the preseason where it wasn't very, it wasn't very tight uh, all around. Um, the communication um, was like a, a, a tick behind that to me, this is their first time playing a different team. That's, that's where every team starts. So that was kind of what I expected. Um, I mean, the one guy that kind of jumped out at me, I thought both Justin holiday and Aaron holiday were kind of shined. If anyone did on the defensive end of the court, um, their disruptiveness kind of uh, at the point of attack. Um, you know, I put a play, uh, put a video out on Twitter, Justin, just not letting Portis get to a ball screen. He was trying to set kind of blew that whole play up. And I thought Aaron holiday did a great job working over screen, staying attached to his guy. Um, and that kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, when he's um, working around screens, he, 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 he plays bigger than he actually is. I, I think when he has, is just in space and has this guy right in front of him, his lack of size kind of shows up a little bit more there. But when he's needing to work in tight space around uh, whether it's on ball or off ball screens, I, I think his, he knows how to kind of make his physical profile kind of work there. So on that end, it was funny. I, they, the Hawks were uh, s- slow or ineffective tagging uh, whatever big was diving at the rim. And I was about to put something on Twitter like, oh, they're not doing very well uh, with the low man, you know, responsibilities and tagging. And I, I looked up and I was like, oh, it's Giannis diving to the rim. Literally no one could do it. <laughs> Literally no one could just do it. Just get a foul. Exactly. You, you just can't let, I mean, in a, in a, in a game that matters or in, in a, or like, late in a game where it really, really matters, you just can't let Giannis even get there, you know, but like, you can't really say they weren't very good because Giannis is basically impossible to tag, you know? Um, so, you know, for me, I, again, they looked kind of individually confident and competent and steady. And I thought the communication got a little better as the game went on. I thought the kind of the connectivity got a little better as the game went on. And, and to me, that just kind of reflects the fact that, um, you know, these are, this is a veteran team. You know, it, it, it made me wonder like, okay, if like if Jalen were in this rotation in this game, like, you know, how, how much would that change the way that that kind of felt? Because we saw basically Justin holiday, uh, Deandre Hunter, and then they, um, you know, kind of stretched their guard rotation a, a little bit around, you know, Aaron Holiday and such, and their their starters played you know oh, way more minutes than you'd ever think kind of a preseason game. Um, but yeah, like I, <laughs> in a funny way, I was like Nate probably walked away from this game and was like, I don't have to play Jalen, you know, because they were just a kind of so solid and kind of kind of veteran and, and all that sort of stuff. So he said Jalen's going to play this year, so you know I, I'm not suggesting that'll happen, but. You know, is it you know I I just I, even the the game the Hawks won against Miami, I remember you know, Herter, you know, was clearly supposed to get over on that side of the floor and help on Jimmy, help DeAndre on Jimmy and never got there. And, 
you know, remember the coaching staff jumping up and down and screaming, or, you know, and, and I, I, I don't mean to single him out. I enjoyed Herder being here. I think Herder is a good player and, and I, I think the Hawks are going to miss him, but that's just an example of the kinds of mistakes and the kinds of consistency issues that the young core, as they try to kind of develop them forward would, would really hurt them in close games and the critical stretches of games. And I, I just thought the realization for me again today was, you know, they may not ha- always have the shot making they need, like to, you know, um, get points off its possessions they need late. There's, there's trade-offs here, but I just think they're, if we, when we look at the end of a game that they've lost this year, I, I think it's, we're not going to be looking at the mistakes that want to make us want to pull our hair out, right? But that young players, I mean, not just the Hawks players they've had, but young players. And, and to me, that's just the kind of step that, that, uh, Travis uh, and Landry kind of had a minor on Trey is let's put a steadier group around Trey. Let's put a more like confident group uh, around Trey. Um, let's put another initiator next to Trey to take some of the pressure off and let's kind of roll with that as opposed to hoping all of these young guys can kind of hit a higher, you know, um, outcome that we're all hoping for. And so they, they we've turned the page kind of on that from that young group to now uh, a steadier core. And it'll be interesting to see how that, how that results, you know, from a wins and losses perspective, but definitely just much more mistake-free basketball, especially kind of the, the the kind of the, the ones that really make you frustrated kind of watching them, wanting them to kind of get things sorted out. So, um, I mean, what scheme wise on defense, they were chasing over screens. They weren't switching very much. Um, part of that I think was because of the fact that Milwaukee was playing so much five out, um, already. Um, it'll be interesting to see as they, uh, kind of wrap up play with Milwaukee and kind of get into the other ones, if we'll see a little bit different scheme or, or if they're going to chase over screens more and switch less this year, that's not what Nate was saying across the summer. Nate was talking about switching more potentially, um, so I'm curious to see kind of kind of see how see how it goes, but just steady, solid play. Uh, the rhythm's not there, the timing's not there, and that's I think what anyone expects in game one. When you look at the rotation, it was basically nine guys. Nate hinted that we'll see a lot more of the younger guys in the second game, but you know he, he basically played you know for the for the bulk of the game until it got. Uh, got into the deep bench from both squads late. It, it was nine guys, the regular five starters, both holidays, uh, Kaminsky and Akongwu off the bench. I, I get the feeling that from what Nate says, you know, he's, he, he wants DeJounte and Trey to play as much together as possible. I think maybe more than what he'd do in the regular season. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I think he, He's also trying to feel it out. Like if he needs to get one or more of them in a rhythm separately, he's willing to do that. I, I feel like he did that a little bit with Trey in this one. Um, after the game, I asked him about sort of the, you know, the, the two big situation. We saw some Kaminsky with a Kongu. We saw some Kaminsky with Capella. Uh, and he more or less said that Kaminsky was filling in for Jalen, you know, with, with Jalen ill and not making the trip that that was basically Kaminsky and Jalen's minutes. So you know, I do think that Jalen is is part of the rotation. Uh, but that also meant that in certain situations, uh, you know, when, when Akongu was out there with Kaminsky, he was defending on the perimeter. I haven't gotten to do a rewatch yet, but was there anything 
notable about Okongwu in that situation? Not to me. I mean, I was interested in that too. Um, but even when I kind of went back and looked at a few plays, um, I mean, the Bucks were just eager to get attack the rim <laughs> with with Kaminsky at center on defense. <laughs> Wait, I got to so, stop you. There was one. There was like there was this New Balance game. Or sorry, there was this New Balance logo on the court in the broadcast, but it wasn't like on the physical court. It was like you know one of those CGI superimposed yeah. logos, and I have no idea why. But like every time the players walked over it, like the logo disappeared, like the way it would if it was a physical logo on the court. When Kaminsky would go over the logo, you know, it was like this uh, uh, back to the future kind of effect. He would go over the logo and the logo would kind of just supersede over his body and he would disappear. <laughs> and I was like, well, that's a good analogy for how he's playing. <laughs> he, it was a rough one for him, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it. it when he was a center, it made it hard for me to kind of evaluate anything else I was seeing because, I mean, the the Bucks were just salivating when he was there, and and I, I'm not I'm not having any fun, you know, kind of point pointing that out. He's a, you know, he's a guy that's not the, intended to be in this rotation, you know, for this season. He's veteran depth. He's you know locker Going room back leadership. from a long absence, sure, yeah, for all that sort of stuff. So he, I mean, he's going to be helpful in other ways, you know besides what we saw today, but there was no doubt that the Bucks were wanting to just, you know, really challenge him right away. And that's, that's really no surprise. And so in that sense, I thought that was hard to, apart from the fact that it was interesting to me that, and you, and you asked me about this a few episodes back, I think when we were kind of talking about this was, might we see Kaminsky at four on offense with a Congo on five and reverse that? And we, and we did see that as a matter of fact, yeah. right. <laughs> it, it was too clunky to, to me, it was just like, they never got into anything solid and sustained. So it was hard to tell what to make of it, but it was interesting that Nate went in that direction, um, you know, as opposed to, to maybe getting someone else out there and leaving a Congo at the five. What does that say about a Congo actually playing some time at the four this year? You know, I, I don't know, you know, um, it'll be interesting to me to see how the the Congo Collins minutes goes this year. And if it will be any different than it has been in previous seasons, like maybe that's one where they do a lot of switching, you know, Nate brought that one up today when I asked that question, like he said that, that we'll see some of Congo Collins minutes. Like that was one he's, he went out of his way to mention that pairing. So I think that's on the horizon. It was interesting that on the broadcast, they were, they had John Collins forward center. And I don't know if that's something the team is doing, like with like this is his positional designation now, or I I, I don't know. Has it always I, been I, that? No, it's not, in my mind. I, I don't. I, it's never been that. Oh. So I, I don't. I don't know if that means anything or not. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I should um, pay attention. I, I I really don't look at those. I don't know why it caught my eye this time, but it was. I was like, I always wonder. Like, is there something behind that? You know, is yeah, I don't know. So. Um. DeAndre Hunter, uh, what you know, the the big thing for him in the off season was his his objective was to to come away with a tighter handle. Was was there evidence of that today? Uh, mostly no, to me. Uh, did, did did you come away with a different view of that? No, I, I you know. The the funny thing though is like I mean I don't think that was I think there was a lot of different ways that he could improve, and I think one big one for him that that he could be uh, 
you know, take a big step forward was to be more decisive. And I thought he was a lot more decisive today. There was, I get informally call it like the 0.5 second rules, you know, figure out what you're going to do in half a second, whether it's shoot or pass or drive. I felt like he was, a, he, you know, he's a, a serial violator of that last season. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in this game, you know, he was aggressive. He was looking for his drive when it was there. And I think he was, you know, quick in picking it and he was correct in when he picked it. So I thought, I thought that was good to see. Yeah. There was a possession earlier that was kind of a semi transition and he tried to attack one on three um, and it didn't go well. And there was a lot of traffic uh, kind of expect, you know, you expect that, but it's, but it's one of those things where, I mean, I think DeAndre is always going to be a guy who wants to either work depending on the defender that's on him specifically back to the basket technique or face up technique and kind of get to a shot he's comfortable with in that eight to 14 foot range, you know, um, and he's good at that. He he's he's got a really really good skill package. He needs to be healthy enough, I think, to kind of really create some sustained play in that area. But you know, I don't know that he's ever going to be a guy that just wants to attack the rim over and over and over, despite his size. You know, I don't know that he's ever going to have that level of confidence in his handle to dribble into traffic and navigate multiple defenders kind of in that space. I, I just think that's not in his personality. And can, can you get him to do some of that, like when? The other team has a really small lineup on the floor, maybe. But in, in terms of like, you know, my educational background is in psychology, and, and I learned our our personality is static eighty percent across our lifetime. And, and I've learned as a coach to to try not to make a player some someone that they are not. And for DeAndre, I think that you know that comfort zone is is largely going to look the same across his whole career. Like on the margins, can you get him to do some more aggressive things? Possibly. But I, I just don't really have any expectations he's going to turn to this guy who's always attacking the rim. Um, you know, if he can add that to the mix, would that help him? Yes. Is that realistic? I think that is realistic to have him add it to the mix. But to have him be – have any expectation that he's going to be that um, and completely reinvent himself is, I, I think, is unrealistic. Um, but overall, I mean, the shot looked good. The, there was no hesitation in the shot. Uh, he his ability to create the shot he likes was good. He had confidence in that. And I do think kind of when he's executing the techniques that he's comfortable with, his handle did look solid. Like I didn't see kind of really any issue with that, attacking his guy, setting up his guy, all that stuff. I think the issue is the, the biggest issue has always been in traffic, in tight space, which a lot of guys who aren't point guards kind of have that issue, you know? So um We'll we'll see more. I don't want to make too much of the first game, but he it looked like mostly more of the same um, from a ball handling perspective. Um, we'll see if you know um, getting into game two and to game three, if uh, you know maybe that's a little bit of a rust thing or a little bit of a repetitions thing or what have you. So I don't want to close the door on it, but he he looked like the same, mostly the same ball handler to me today. Uh, you know, I think we joke from time, time to time. Maybe we don't. I don't know. But we, how Nate loves his matchups. Uh, but I do think there's something to that with adding DeJounte to the mix. I mean, you know, you take, for example, in this particular Bucks matchup. Uh, you know, in a Bucks matchup from years past, you know, Trey's out there and, and you know, Drew's going to be the one guarding him. And, you know, now you get to a situation where there there's, you know, some, some trickle down effect, you know, if, if you have more ball handlers on the floor, if you have Trey out there with DeJounte, Drew can only guard one of them. 
And, and the Hawks can benefit from that. They can kind of dance around the defensive stoppers a little bit. And I, I think, you know, in a secondary kind of way, DeAndre is going to benefit from that as well. There's, there's going to be a trickle down where he's going to see people who can't stay in front of him as well. Um, and, and he's going to need to take advantage of that. And that, I don't think there was anything today that made me suspect that he won't. I, I think he kind of will. I, I agree. I think that's a great role for him is when there's cross-matching and, and, and all that sort of stuff to get that mismatch. And, and DeAndre's always been really aggressive in attacking mismatches. I think De, DeJounte's presence reduces any like real pressing need for him to handle the ball for you. Like there's no reason to go out of your way to have him do that anymore. Um, where in certain lineups prior to this season, you know, he might've been the second guy that, you know, that you look to for that, that, that shouldn't be the case really anymore. Um, and I think that'll simplify um, kind of what the, his role in terms of what you ask of him. And uh, I think that could be a, a positive thing. I, I think DeJounte simplifies a lot for a lot of other players on the roster. And I, I think that's one of the benefits of, of the addition. Uh Again, there, there was no Jalen Johnson today. So when we talk about rotation stuff, it you know gets a little bit wonky. But I mean, you got the starting five healthy, and you, you get to see a lot of pieces in a game like today. Okay, the starting five is is Trey Dejounte, DeAndre, John, Clint. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that there is another lineup, whether it's for closing games or uh, you know wh- whatever? Um, is there another lineup that's going to be something that, that Nate likes to go to, like some combination of his favorite starters with, you know, whether, is it a Kongwu that can slip into the mix or is, you know, is Justin holiday, uh, does Deandre Hunter at any point slide over to power forward? Is there another sort of five man lineup that you would kind of expect Nate to lean on in key situations? Yeah. So I, I mean, for me, I think the, the most likely swap out, if we can talk about it that way is, Justin Holiday for DeAndre. If DeAndre is struggling, um, uh, or if Nate just wants someone he can really, really, really trust, I, I think DeAndre is still a guy who is, in a way, t- trying to figure some aspects out. And Justin, there's none of that, right? He knows exactly what to do. And so, I mean, I think I could see with like an eight point lead with three minutes to go, two and a half minutes to go, if DeAndre is not having his best game, I think that's the most likely thing that we'll see there i i could also um see some situations where uh, the other team forces the hawks to close small um you know and that that gets clint off and then do you play john and uh Kongu together do you play one of those two center and and play three guards maybe put aaron holiday on with Dejounte and trey for example and kind of see how that goes and so those are the most likely ones that i see is most likely justin in for deandre Second one, you close small and, you know, you, you have some options in terms of how you uh, man the five, the four, and then potentially also the three. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, I thought, I mean, I thought it was important that John looked really, really good today. He looked <laughs> like he felt good. That is my one leftover. Yeah. 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 He kind of said something, you know, he was asked about his, his, you know, the, the big ring finger that he has on his shooting hand. And he's like, yeah, it feels good. And, you know, it's something like I, I hope that 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 dunk, you know, kind of showed that how I'm feeling at this point. Like, I, I you know, he, he certainly looked bouncy. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he didn't look, look like hesitant. 
Yeah, he looked like John. And yeah. even that shot early in the third quarter, just, I mean, at the end of last season, I mean, he looked like he wasn't sure sometimes if he wanted to shoot. Other times he looked like he was fine to, to shoot. But that looked like natural, you know, shooting motion, you know, JC to me. And the other thing to hit on was that Aaron Aaron Holiday handled the ball a lot. He initiated a lot today, and he looked good doing it. And, you know, and I've said, you know, people who follow my comments across the offseason, they need another point guard, they need another point guard. Uh, now, today, the Bucks were in pretty conservative defense all day long. You know, they were, they were dropping. Um, they were staying put, you know, so there was a lot of space in the middle of the court. So I don't want to make too much of it, but I also want to yeah, say. Yeah, there was also, wasn't there like a weird, like, over and back, somebody got into his his dribble or something at one point? Yeah, I, I thought that was just a, um, just a hiccup. A mis- yeah, a little uh, passing the ball and just kind of miscommunicated there or whatever. But I mean, I, I have to say that like if like if what we saw today is somehow going to be kind of representative, then I I'm less concerned about uh, the thing that I've kind of talked across the whole offseason because I mean he made all of his floaters. Uh, you know, it felt like uh, he was a, a aggressive getting to the rim. Um, he he can knock down open threes, and and he was just. I mean, same point, but he was just really steady, steady decision maker, played under control with good pace. Good, uh, he had a nice lob to, um, I don't remember which big he had the lob to. I, I want to say it was maybe Anyeka that had that lob too. I think um, he had one to John too, but man, I could it, be wrong. Yeah, well, maybe I'm misremembering, but I was, you know, I thought that was one of the most important things too, because yeah. when, uh, even when he was on with Trey or DeJounte, he was still initiating a lot look at doing it really really solid and i and that's probably one of the most one of the more encouraging things that i saw today was aaron holiday looking like he could play 20 minutes a game if he has to he's i mean he, he frankly kind of looked a little bit like uh what they asked Delon to do you know last year kind of, kind of in his role um and was chasing over screens like Delon does and it was a little bit more aggressive and uh on offense uh you know Delon was always kind of happy to play in a more passive role but um you know was that him going up against his brother his older brother you know a lot of cases drew was on him and stuff like that so so we'll see but I, you know i think it'd be unfair to to not say hey you know aaron looked really good today in my opinion in a role that i was concerned about him filling and so let's see if he can kind of continue that and that's one concern that we can from my side at least downgrade if he, if he keeps showing that yeah if, if he doesn't like completely punt on two wide open layups that he knocked off the side of the rim that he, he would have 20 points coming off the bench in like 20 minutes like that. That's, that's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. He had had 20 points and um, was one of the Hawks best defenders. So yeah. yeah, if you can get that from your, if, if he's kind of their third guard this year on a minimum contract this season, if you could, if, if that's what like he could give them, that would be absolutely massive for, lineup continuity, uh, kind of k- keeping production and steady play across first and second, you know, right. that would just the gap. For, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and it's one of those things, like as a coach, like if you got a guy who's like that, who's producing, like you can go, okay, we can take our time with Bogey. We don't have to rush Bogey, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, kind of um, secondary and tertiary impacts that come from a guy stepping in, and, and really, really doing well that, that benefits the team. So I was encouraged, and um, I'm excited to see um, if he can kind of c- continue giving him that, showing that across the preseason. 
All right. Well, Hawks play again Saturday and then a couple games next week and then the regular season. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to join me for this one. It's fun to talk about an actual game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a big fan of off-season podcasting. I'm not going to lie. I, I, left, I always love talking to you, but this is more fun than, uh, you know, talking about, hey, Frank Kaminsky got signed to a contract, you know, and all respect to him. I, I know he's a good guy to have around your team and in the locker room and all that sort of stuff. But uh, just, just as a point of comparison, the games are more fun to talk about for sure. All right. Have a good night. You too, Kevin. Thanks.